Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. I hope wherever you're watching this or listening to this around the world, you are having a very good start to your week. It's all a little bit quiet at the moment on the Arsenal front. Of course, the team over in LA at the moment preparing for that game against Barcelona, which kicks off at 3.30am uh, UK time on Thursday morning, so Wednesday evening over in the States. That'll be their last game of the US Tour before heading back to England to get ready for the Emirates Cup and the Community Shield. And then, of course, the start of the Premier League season. There's just a little bit of a lull, not too much news coming out of LA or the States at the moment where the team are. Of course, not too much happening on the transfer front as well. Back in the UK, Arsenal very much done their business for now in terms of Incoming, so focus is on getting some players out of the club, um, and not too much going on at, about that at the moment. But there are, I mean, probably the big talking point is um, the fact that Flo Balligan trained on his own yesterday, which was reported by Kaya, of course, Kaya Kainak, um, at Football London, Jordan, as well at the Athletic, who are over there with um, the sort of travelling Arsenal press pack with the team, with the squad, were watching training and they saw that Balogun was training separately. Now, there's no reason given for why he trained separately. Um, it came out with the rest of the squad that when, when they went into their sort of, you know, doing all the ball work stuff, he went off and trained on his own, doing sprints with a fitness coach. Um, and obviously, given what's going on at the moment with Balogun, given the fact he didn't play in the game against Manchester United and that we know that there's you know increasing interest especially from Inter Milan in Balogun you know stories have started doing the rounds in terms of why he wasn't training but we don't know yet and so I think we've got to sort of rein it in a little bit obviously it it feels like when you see something like that and it you know it clearly looks like he's fit and he's playing or training that you know why wouldn't he be training with a group is there something going on has a bid come in something like that you know lots of speculation but we just don't know the truth yet and I'm not sure when Mikel will be speaking to the press he will be doing a pre-match press conference might well be tonight over in the States ahead of that game against Barcelona so we'll probably find out a little bit more or we'll certainly have some questions asked directed to Mikel Arteta exactly about what is going on with Balogun and why he wasn't training. It could just be an injury. It's that they didn't want to do him any ball work, so they just got him out and doing some running with one of the fitness instructors because there's some sort of issue going on there where, they I don't know, they don't want him to do sh sort of sharp turning, that sort of thing. It might, but I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. So it might not necessarily be anything linked with his future or transfers, but, you know, it's easy given what's going on. You sort of see this. It's just two plus two and everyone jumps onto the conclusion that, uh, that they know what's happening. But I think we've just got to wait a little bit to find out. Um, you know, nothing really ha seems to have progressed in terms of this interest from Inter Milan. A bid hasn't come in for him yet as far as we know. 
Um, it hasn't been reported on this in, in, in England. It hasn't been reported in Italy that a bid has yet gone in. It just still seems to be in the preparing to make an offer stage when it comes to Inter's interest in Balogun. Until that changes, I don't see why he'd be left out of the squad because of that. It wouldn't really make too much sense to me. Um, and Mikel speaking after the game against Manchester United when he was asked why Balogun didn't play, he certainly you know, pretty much said that he will play in the next game. Um, so unless something has changed... We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, certainly interesting developments nonetheless. And we wait and see what happens with Balogun. But let me know, as always, what you guys think about that. Are you a little bit concerned that something now seems to be going on with Balogun? Or can you understand exactly why there is the potential for him to move on? Quite a few of you have asked questions or sent in some comments about that and, uh, that I'll talk about a little bit later on in this video. OK, the Cronkies have been over to visit. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the pictures that I've just brought up on the uh, on the screen there. You've got Mikel Arteta warmly embracing Stan Kroenke and about to high-five Josh Kroenke as well. So both of them there to watch training over in LA, of course, Arsenal in the Kroenke's manner now. Going to be playing their game against Barcelona at the SoFi Stadium, which the Kroenke's built, funded, um, where the LA Rams play, of course. I think they were Arsenal doing their training session at the home of the LA Rams training ground as well. So um, very much using the Cronkies' home territory there. And, you know, the, you just look at the images on the screen. If you're watching this, you can see that, you know, there is a really good, strong relationship between the owners and Mikel Arteta. You know, he, he when he talks about them, on when he's asked about them, you know, the responses that he gives, they're not fake or anything like that. He genuinely does have a very good relationship with the Cronkies. And I think you can see that there. And the Cronkies are certainly very happy with Mikel Arteta, which why wouldn't they be given the sort of progress that he's made since he's been in charge at Arsenal. So, yeah, interesting. They'll both be at the game, no doubt, on Thursday to see that match against Barcelona. Arsenal training ahead of that game um, um, over in L.A., doesn't feel like there's too many injury issues for them to worry about. They'll be wanting to respond in this one after what happened against Manchester United. They've come in for quite a bit of criticism after the United game and look, deservedly so. Yes, it was a pre-season friendly, but it was a poor performance. Uh, you expected a little bit more from them in that game. They just never really got going. I thought they were the better team, as I said, before the first goal went in. But once the goal, they, once they went behind, there was just no real response. And that was a little bit of a worry. They were a bit sluggish. Maybe they're just behind United in terms of their fitness at this stage. Maybe it's the heat. I don't know. It just sounds, you know, I'm not making excuses. But it, I was surprised at how sluggish they looked. I thought we were going to see a, quite an intense performance from Arsenal in that game, but they just never got going. And the criticism that have come their way, they probably deserve. And you want to see a little bit of a response in this match against Barcelona, who you look at it two ways. They're either going to be fresh because they haven't played yet. They didn't play that game against Juventus because it was called off because of that illness bug that swept through the camp. Or they're going to be very much lacking in fitness because a lot of them have been ill and haven't been able to train, and they haven't. They're not as far ahead as Arsenal in their uh, in the work that they've done this summer. But either way, whatever it is that Arsenal are going to face, they just need to put in a good performance before they fly home from the US. If you come back from the US and you've got two wins under your belt and one defeat, I think you're quite you're quite happy with how things have gone. If you come back and you've lost two of the games, only beaten the All Stars, then you know you'll be a little bit concerned. And we all know how much pre-season and the tour how beneficial that was for Arsenal last summer everyone talked about it everyone said about how beneficial that was and how much momentum that allowed them to take into the new season if you come back and you've lost two games it's not the end of the world of course it's not the end of the world but it's not ideal anyway you want to start getting that winning feeling you want to start building that momentum and getting some performances and 
there was no real performance against United and that was the worry. They just looked a little bit, it was disjointed. There were the partnerships weren't there. You know, Rice struggled, Havertz struggled. Timber was bright, was probably one of the better players, but you want to see them really sort of put on a bit of a show, just start to show that they're beginning to gel a little bit and a little bit science going together. So um, yeah, that's what I want to see from Arsenal on Thursday morning in that game against Barcelona. Let me know what you guys think. Who do you want to see start in that game against Barcelona? Who deserves to start? Who doesn't? Do you want to see Mikel tinker with things a little bit, try out a few new things? I probably would, I have to say. I would like to see at some point this summer, not necessarily against Barcelona, because I still think at this stage, you're really you're still working on your fitness. I think once you get back to the UK and you've got those two matches against Monaco and Manchester City, that maybe is when you really start to nail down the system you're going to play in those opening weeks of the Premier League season. But I would at some stage this summer like to see a midfield three of party as the six, um, Odegaard and Declan Rice ahead of them. Okay, elsewhere in football, there's just not much, too much going on. Obviously, you've got the massive... Mbappe story which continues to go on uh, I spoke about it on yesterday's video the incredible offer um, that came uh, that sort of got sent in by um, uh, El Halal for killing Mbappe so we'll wait and see how that one progresses but elsewhere it's all a little bit quiet everyone's away on pre-season there's reports that Lavia Southampton midfielder is now very very close to joining Liverpool we'll wait and see if that develops Lavia has of course been a player who's been heavily linked with Arsenal this summer it's not one that I've ever really heard of or heard that there was too much substance to so I haven't really reported it myself but you know other others have reported that Arsenal have been very very much interested in Lavia but at this stage it appears nothing's really moved on and look the fact that Thomas Partey is staying according to Mikel Arteta I think rules out any sort of further central midfield signing this summer anyway. But yeah, it appears that uh, Lavia might well be on his way to Liverpool. So that we'll see how that one goes. All right, let's talk about some of your comments and questions, shall we? Quite a few of them to go through today. Here's one from Anthony, who has obviously replied to this in in uh, response to what I was talking about yesterday with Kylian Mbappe and that bid from Al Halal to PSG. So says, doesn't the FFP apply to these Saudi teams? Uh, it doesn't, Anthony, no, FFP. There's a couple of different um, sort of rules and regulations in place that Arsenal have to adhere to. One of them is the Premier League's financial rules, and one of them is UEFA's financial rules. So Arsenal have to adhere to those because they're the competitions they play in the Premier League, the Champions League or Europa League. Um it's different for the Saudis because they don't play in the Premier League and they don't fall under UEFA jurisdiction. Um, so they don't have these FA FF pool rules in place. So they don't have to worry about them. And that's why they can do what they're doing right now. Um, and it's why English and European teams can't quite sort of throw the money. I'm not sure they would be able to anyway, given the finances involved. But yeah, no, uh, it doesn't apply to them, Anthony. Here's one from Alex. It says, hey, Charles, in your opinion, do you believe the best midfield trio at the club is Party, Rice and Odegaard? Well, this is something I just talked about in um, saying that I would like to see that one time before the summer ends and before the season starts. It's a tough one because I haven't seen enough yet and I'm, I'm not at all ready <laughs> to, um, you know, sort of rule out the potential of Rice, Havertz and Odegaard. Obviously, it didn't work very well against Manchester United, but that's the first time they've ever played together. It's going to take time to gel. There's two new players there thrown into a midfield three, and that was the first time they were playing together. So it's no surprise, really, there wasn't much chemistry between them. Um, but I'm certainly not 
you know, it's far too early to look at that and say, yes, yeah, no chance that's going to work. I'm going to throw that one out the window. I do like the idea of this midfield three. I've said it many times, especially in big away games when you want to get some control in that midfield. I think it gives you a lot of power. I think it gives you a lot of recovery quality because all three of those players are so good at turning over possession and getting the ball back and winning it back quickly. So I do like that option. And I think there's, you know, it's, I look at it and I think, yeah, that could be very, very good. Um, it's certainly the one right now that kind of springs out to me as probably the best Arsenal have um, when it comes to putting those three together. But I still, you know, I'm, I still like the idea of Havertz playing in that role. I want to see more of him and I want to see more of him as he adjusts to it and get used to it. So um, we'll see, I'm kind of fudging the question there a little bit, but it's just really hard to answer after only seeing it, seeing these players for a couple of games so far in pre-season. But I do like that option, I have to say. Okay, here's one from Hampstead Owl. It says, sorry, Charles, but I think you are much too complacent about Nketiah's evident inadequacy as a striker. You can't keep defending him just on the basis that he scored a couple of goals when Jesus was out in the middle of the season. And Jesus is weak as a natural goal scorer too. If you put the three of them in an equal goal scoring position, you'd expect Haaland to hit the net nine or even 10 times out of 10, Jesus five or six times and Nketiah two or three. Therein lies our problem. Haaland may be a one-off, but we need at least an eight out of 10 person in that position. Thank you very much for your comment, Hampstead. I can absolutely see what you're saying. 100%, I can see what you're saying, but I still think that a lot of us are kind of not writing off because that's the wrong word, wrong phrasing. Um, but I think a lot of us are, uh, are just a little bit off when it comes to Jesus. I think he's easily, easily got a 20-goal season in him. He had a bad little spell in the run-up to getting injured last season when he didn't score for 10 games or whatever it was up to the World Cup. But before that, he scored five in pretty, you know, a short amount of time. And when he came back for those last few weeks, he scored six. And, you know, that's 11 goals already there, even though he missed a big chunk of the season. And he did miss a lot of good chances as well. I accept that. He's always going to be a player. He's not a Haaland. Of course he's not. But there's not, there's not many Haalands in world football. Um, and I think easily last season, Jesus could have scored close to 20. And I, I would not be at all surprised if he does that this season. I think a lot of us are kind of forgetting how impactful he was before he got injured last season, how good he was, how transformational he was in the team and what he offered the team. And, um, you know, I'm, I st I'm, I'm fully expecting Jesus to have a really, really good season. On Nketiah, look, I get it. I absolutely get it. Do I think Eddie is good enough to be... Arsenal's main man as a striker? No, I don't. Do I think he's a good option or an acceptable option to have within a squad? I do. And I'm not going to change my opinion on that. I really, really do. Um, but I get it. If, you know, if you're relying on Nketiah for a big chunk of the season, then that is a worry. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, if, if Arsenal decided to sell Nketiah and bought another striker in, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't upset me. I would un absolutely understand it. But I do think Nketiah is a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. And I think he's a lot of people are sort of jumping on the bandwagon or piling onto Eddie a little bit just because of what's because a lot of them kind of want to see Balogun play. And I think Eddie's kind of copping a lot of flack because of the kind of groundswell of opinion over the fact that Balogun should be playing at the moment. Uh, here's one from Nostalgic97 says, Hello, Charles. How long do we have left on our captain's contracts? That's Martin Odegaard, of course, you're talking about. Well, his contract runs until 2025, so there's two years left on that. But Arsenal do have an option to extend that by another year until the summer of 2026. So effectively, Arsenal have three years left with Martin Odegaard on his current contract. But I fully expect contract talks 
um, to start progressing with Martin Odegaard and Arsenal looking to get a new deal wrapped up for him relatively quickly. Him and Ben White, I think, are definitely the next two that they will be um, in discussions with to try and get that done. And it will happen sooner rather than later. Here's one from PK Dionis, I think. Um, it says it's quite a long one. It says great in chat, and I thought it was quite funny, so I wanted to include it. it says great in Charles. I hope you and your family are well. Question: How do you not turn into a bitter, jaded version of yourself by the end of every transfer window, especially in the extremely reactive and hot take-driven social media era we are in? I've had to stay off social media and not read comments anymore, as I just can't take it. Taking the Balogun and Ketia situation as an example, Flo's intention is no longer to play second fiddle. He seems headstrong and knows what he wants to get out of his career. Yet people keep piling on Eddie and saying, sell him, keep Flo, etc. Is Flo really going to displace Gabby Jesus? And if not, after having stated he doesn't want to sit on the bench, will forcing him to stay and diminishing his value benefit anybody? Football manager has made these three-dimensional real-life players little more than commodities in the eyes of fans. And the fact that you work in that space and have and you have yet to lose your mind is a credit to you. Anyway, have a good one. It's a bit long-winded, but look, I, I thought that was a really good comment, and I absolutely get it. And I thought it was a really sensible comment as well. And the flow in Ketia scenario that you described there, I've been describing it for a long time, and I can't get away from that. When I talk about this situation, when I analyse this situation, I think you're spot on, and it's what I can't get away from, and it's why I'm not losing my mind about the fact that Balogun might go this summer. I've said it many times. I just think Arsenal are in a situation where he has to go because he only has two years left on his deal. He's not going to sign a new contract. If you don't play him, if he doesn't play regularly this season, which I don't think he's going to, he might get some minutes, but even if he doesn't play that regularly, is he going to be happy? Probably not. Are you going to get to a situation then you get then next get to next summer when he's only got one year left on his deal and his value is plummeted? Yes, you are. So that's why I just think Arsenal have been are going to have to sell him this summer. And it's why I'm not losing my mind on the fact that Eddie Nketiah is getting preferred to him at the moment because he's got a long time left on his contract. He's not going to kick up a massive fuss and Arsenal aren't going to get to next season or next summer and his value is going to massively have decreased. It's just not going to happen. But you are with Balogun. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think your assessment of that situation is really, really good. Um, in terms of why, how I do not turn into a bitter jaded version of myself, well... I don't know, you talk to my wife and I think she probably says I'm probably pretty bitter and pretty jaded <laughs> at the moment. But I am going on holiday on Saturday for two weeks. So you're going to get nothing from me, I'm afraid, for the next two weeks from Saturday. Uh, I'm away and I'm having a break and I've come back. I missed the first game of the season. I land back in the UK about four hours after the game was finished between Arsenal and Nottingham Forest, which is a shame. I was desperate for that game to get switched to the Sunday and I'll be back after that. So, yeah, I'm going to have a bit of a recharge um, from Saturday onwards, and hopefully when I come back, I will definitely not be a bitter, a bitter jaded version of myself. Uh, here's one from Carlo, says, uh, any news on Reese Nelson? And imagine in some crazy circumstances, Arsenal sign Harry Kane on a free. Would that be a bigger signing than some Campbell in 2001? Uh, yes, it would, 100%, but it's not going to happen. Uh, in terms of Reese Nelson, um, the idea is, or the hope is that he's going to be back around the start of the new season. He had his toe injury that he picked up in the game against Germany. That's why he didn't go out to the USA. Uh, but Arsenal are hoping he'll be back fit in time for the start of the new season, possibly even around the time of Community Shield. So fingers crossed on that one, because it'd be a real shame if uh, Reese did miss the start of the season. But it's not thought to be anything majorly serious. And uh, so hopefully he is OK. And I'll tell you what, I'm just about to finish this show 
and I've just realized my microphone is not plugged in. So I hope you've been able to hear me throughout this and I haven't just wasted the last 20 minutes of this show. Classic me, absolute te technophobe. Hopefully it's been okay anyway and uh, you've been able to hear what I've had to say and have still enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for watching or listening. Have a very good end today, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow. Going to do a live tomorrow. That's the plan. So around lunchtime, UK time. So if you want to join in from that, look out for it. It's going to be around probably, I'm hoping, aiming for midday. I'm not around in the morning. I've got to run over to my mother-in-law's uh, or drive over to my mother-in-law's and get a suitcase in preparation for our holiday. Once I'm back, then I'm going to try and do a live show. So keep your eyes peeled. Probably around 12 o'clock. I'll put it out on social media before I get going. So please do join me for that. Have a great day, everyone. I'll speak to you very, very soon.